Okay, the, this class is for Parshat Bo, this week's Parsha. Does God change his mind? That's a question. What do you think? Can God change his mind or not? Yes. Yes, you say yes. Yeah, for example. Well, you say that one mitzvah can be the tipping ground, so really God decides when Mashiach comes, right? So if mm -hmm. I need one more, he could mm -hmm. change his mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, there is something to it. Yeah, there's something to what you're saying. Did he know that Julie was going to do one more, so he knew uh, what was going to happen? Then? Okay, maybe he knew. That's the, that's the question I'm going to say. That they know, that they didn't know. That, uh, uh. Okay, you want to start? Sure. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a great fright and darkness fell over him. And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs for 400 years, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation that enslaved them, and afterwards they will go forth with great wealth. Then this starts from the beginning. The, the, the vision that Abram had before Isaac was born, 30 years before Isaac was born, God told them he had a vision, he saw darkness, and God told them the bad news. You're going to have children. You're going to have uh, the say your descendants will be enslaved in a foreign land. But later they will also, I will judge them, and they will come. They, he will judge the 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 people who enslaved the, the, your children, your descendants, and they will come out in great wealth. That happened. Now, f if, um, uh, we, we're going forward 200 years later. And that's the story of the of the of the Exodus already. I mean, that's 400. This the, the Jewish people actually left Egypt 430 years after the vision. Continue. Okay. The Egyptians enslaved the children of Israel with harsh labor. They made their lives bitter with hard labor, with clay, bricks, and with all kinds of labor in the fields. They actually fulfilled this. What, what Hashem said that's going to happen, it happened actually in Egypt. The Egyptian did what God promised Abraham, what God told Abraham is going to happen. Not promised, but he told Abraham what's going to happen. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Yeah. Okay, you want to continue? During that long period, the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel groaned from the labor. They cried out, and their cry from their slavery ascended to God. God heard them groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God, yeah, God remembered the covenant, and he's sending Moses. To, he, call, he speaks to Moses to take the Jews out from Egypt. Continue, source number four. The Lord said to Moses, Come to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, so that I may perform my signs among them. And in order that you tell your children and grandchildren how I made a mockery of the Egyptians, and how I performed my signs among them, and you will know that I am the Lord. Then God says in, 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 the, in, the, in Exodus, in Parashat uh, Shemot, I will go to Pharaoh, but I will make his heart harsh. I'll make him stubborn, just to make a point, just to show, give him the punishment, basically. And, and give my, my signs in front, everybody should see the miracles of God. This is the story that we all know. Anybody who ever saw the movie knows the story. <laughs> then now comes the second discussion for Maimonides about free choice. Everyone can choose between good and evil. Everyone is given a choice. 
If one wants to follow the path of good and be righteous, it is in his hands. Do not entertain the notion that fools of the nation say that when a person is born, God decrees whether they will be righteous or wicked. This is not the case. Every person can be as righteous as Moses or as wicked as Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Mm-hmm. A person can be wise or foolish, kind or cruel, miserly or generous. Nobody can force him, decree upon him, or pull him in either direction. He himself decides which way he wishes to go. Thus a sinner is responsible for his own sins. He should therefore cry over his sins and what he did to his soul. Since the choice is ours and the sins are of our own doing, we should repent and abandon evil because now we have the ability to do so. Okay. Well, do you agree with it? That's what Maimonides says. Everybody has free choice. Nobody forces you to be one way or another. Didn't we read that there was two nations? Jacob and um, Esau. Esau. And what? So they were struggling. Struggling and fighting in one in the womb, yeah. Before free You're right, before, before, that free, uh, before that free choice. But does it, does it mean that they don't have free choice? That's the question. They still have free choice. Everybody has free choice. Some people have it out there. It's out of some, you know, the Talmud says God created, the angel makes, uh, asks God if the person will be rich or poor, smart or, uh, or stupid or things like this, but not righteous or wicked. It means to say like this, some people can be businessmen better than others, but it doesn't mean that the other person cannot try harder and he will become a businessman. You see students in a class, some kids are bright, some kids are not so bright, but many non-bright kids achieve very, very high achievements. It means to say for people, some people it's easier, some people it's harder. Some people are warriors, other people are relaxed people, they don't worry about anything. Does it mean that the warrior person cannot train himself not to worry? He could, it just will take him much more effort. Then there is free choice for everyone. Ultimately, nobody, you know the expression that I only heard in America, that's, in America, that's me. That's me. Why you did that? That's me, I can change it. That's why I am. Take it or leave it. And I was in yeshiva, I never heard such, I couldn't say such an excuse. That's you, that's exactly why we brought you here, to change the you that you think you are. What mean that's me? That's me is not an excuse. If you can say, you can, you can tell the judge, that's me. I don't, that's you in jail. Then you figure this out if it's you or it's not you. Everybody can change in a good way. If I give you incentives, if I give you $500, suddenly you, it's not you, right? $1,000, even less not you. You will find the other side of you. Or in a bad way, if somebody tells you, puts a gun in front of you, suddenly you change your behavior in a second. That means we can change. It's harder, yeah, I agree. But that doesn't mean that we do not have free choice. And that's why you, if, you, if a person sins, he has to do tshuva because it's, it's, it was his, his choice. And that's also why God rewards you for good deeds and, 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 you're, and we are being, we're dealing with the consequences of our bad deeds. Because if not, why, how can I be rewarded for good deeds? It's not me. If I'm tall or short, that's, that's not me. That's, I was born like this. But anything, what I do with my, with my life is up to me. But then that goes back to the question, can God change his mind? 
Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah, God can. That's God has choice. God has choices too. We are in the image of God means that just as God has free choice, we have free choice. That's what means God created man in His image that we have free choice, just like God. Exactly this. Okay. Would you like to read? Without free choice, punishment is unjust. Were God to decree that a person will be righteous or wicked, how could He command us? via his prophets to do this and not that. Better your ways and don't follow your evil desires. If he had already decreed at birth that his nature will pull him impossibly in one direction, what relevance would the Torah have? How could a sinner be punished and a righteous person rewarded? Will the judge of all the land not do justice? Yeah, if, if, they, were born, if they were born wicked, so I was born this way, then, then there is no... No, no, no reward for good behavior. There is some people like to do favors. There is such me, I know, I met my wife's family, I discovered such a thing. There are some people who like to do favors. They actually thrive from doing favors. It's a strange thing, but such things exist. And uh, literally trying to run around to do favors and doing mitzvahs, and they're they, and never, never en endless. You don't know. Wait, you're being recorded. I know, I know, I'm being <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> then, uh, then they should not be rewarded for it because they're, they're, that's their nature. You're being, because it's still a choice. Some people love to do this, some people hate to do this, but to do right from wrong is a choice of every person. And therefore God rewards for good behavior and, and uh, punishes for bad behavior. Continue, rather. Rather, man has free choice and all his actions are of his own choice. There's nothing that forces him or pulls him only he, with his God-given facilities, faculties, does what he wants. Therefore, a person is judged by his actions. He is rewarded for good and punished for sin. So far, we established the concept there is free choice. Anybody who says that there is no free choice is lying. Is a good way for himself to justify himself that he doesn't do the right thing. I was born like this, that's my nature, that's me, that's, that's me doesn't exist. What do you mean that's me? Change the me. Okay, now what? The question is, here comes the big problem. You know, what Maimonides brings right, brings right here. Why were the Egyptians punished? The Torah states, they will enslave them and torment them. If God decreed that the Egyptians were to enslave the Jews, why were they punished? Ah, God said to Abraham, in the vision, that, they, 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 that his children would be enslaved in a foreign land, that the Egyptians did what God wanted. Then why should he be punished? Somebody had to do it, right? It was the will of, will of God. God, God said what, what the future is. God knows the future, right? Then why are they being punished? That's the ultimate question. It's in my mind. It's right in this chapter, at the continuation of this conversation. And my mind is, uh, my, my mind is asked this question, and he gives an answer. What's the answer? Continue. Yeah. Individual Egyptian tormenting the Jews had the choice not to. God didn't decree that any specific Egyptian enslaved the Jews. Rather, God informed Abraham that his descendants would ultimately be enslaved in a land that was not theirs. Go ahead. So if the Egyptians had chosen not to, to do that, would the whole story have changed? That's the question. Then Maimonides, very good, Maimonides' answer it was not, no, God didn't show up to any Egyptian, told them, I want you to go do it. 
that every Egyptian could say, that's not my job. I can be a nice guy. God needs to do something, let him find somebody else, another agent. Why me? But some Egyptians didn't. Right? You're right, some Egyptians didn't. And they left in the desert and they were also... Some Egyptian converted. Saved. Some Egy Yeah, some Egyptians were not punished. Some Egyptians died before the exodus from Egypt. Yeah, not everybody was punished. So that proves that they didn't have to. Because God never said which Egyptian is going to do it. Right. I mean, Go ahead. Could be another country too. Yeah, you're right. God says in a foreign land. They didn't say in Egypt. You're right. So if it hadn't happened there, it would have happened somewhere else. Oh, wouldn't happen somewhere else. But we well, cannot say, but somebody had to do it. But God never told me to do it. Yeah. Right? Then, uh, then the other, maybe the other person had to be punished. You know, the, my, my, uh, the, the Alter Rebbe writes in the Tanya that when a person, Mr. A, gives a slap to Mr. B. And Mr. B can do two things, to be angry with Mr. A, or give him back, or to ask himself, why Hashem made it that Mr. A should slap me? Obviously, I deserve, a I deserve a slap. But Mr. A is being punished for it, because God never came to him and told him you should give a slap to Mr. B. That's that God allowed it, because God wanted it to happen. But it doesn't mean that he had to do it. He didn't do it because God said to him. You understand? That was his free choice to do something bad. If it wasn't Mr. A, it would have been... Mr. Z. They had yeah. like letters. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Yeah. There is plenty of volunteers. But it's like the same thing. Exactly. Another kind, yeah. That account, somebody would do it, but it doesn't mean you have to do it. That's why the Egyptians were punished, because they made a choice. Made they made a choice. Nobody came. They knew the story. The Egyptians... This was not a secret. It was a known story that the Jews are going to be slaves in a foreign country, a slave by a foreign country. That God, that's what God told Abraham, to the gate and gate God for Abraham. At that time, the Jews were millions of people. There's no secrets by the Jews. For sure not, for sure not, <laughs> by any big crowd, for sure not by Jews. Somebody will inform you. <laughs> then, then the question is, but then there is a question. That's a nice answer, but there is a question. You read? Yeah, you read. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Page seven. Validating a prophet based on prophecy. No, 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 no. You went too far. Question. The Ravad is a commentary on Maimonides. Whoever he disagrees with Maimonides, he writes a note. Then all these questions are. Yeah. The Egyptian can say, but somebody has to do it. Then if, not, if everybody will take a choice and not do it, somebody has to do it. How, how is God's decree going to be fulfilled? And the question gets even bigger. Continue. Pharaoh himself couldn't have chosen differently. In addition, this question is even stronger regarding Pharaoh himself. In order for the Egyptians to enslave the Jewish people, Pharaoh's consent was required because he was the all-powerful ruler. Historically, it did happen that way. Pharaoh told his people, let us act cunningly with the Jews. And the Talmud relates that Pharaoh enticed the Jews into their slavery by initially pretending to partake in the hard work himself. Therefore, even if we are, on, if we are to say that there was no divine decree on each individual Egyptian, 
that they must take part in the oppression. Pharaoh's role certainly must have been preordained. Pharaoh, how he encouraged the Jews to do it? The Jewish people are volunteers, right? The biggest volunteers. You know that? They just made a survey in Israel. 50% of the citizens volunteering. 48%. It's unbelievable numbers. What's the percentage in Israel, you think, in America? Of people who do volunteer work. Who do volunteer work. 25%. In many countries in Israel, it's like unbelievable. And the age, it's 47% women, 4% men. It's the same numbers, men and women, young and old, almost the same numbers. From the religious community, 60% are volunteering. It's like unbelievable. The Jews are volunteering. Pharaoh came out with a campaign. He's going to clean up the country. Who is, who is, the, who is the first nudnikes who want to volunteer? The Jews. They want to show that they are loyal to the country, right? They worked very hard. Pharaoh said, good job, guys. Good job, guys. Continue to do it. And yesterday, was so enthusiastic. Continue to be continuous. Yesterday, it was volunteering. Today, it's law. It was a, recommend, a recommendation for a while. Then it became law, like many things that happens in, a, in, in every country. Then, the, if not for the king, he couldn't be enslaved. An, an individual Egyptian can say, can choose, I'm not going to be a part of it. But Pharaoh has to do it. The king has to do it. How could he be punished? He did what God wanted. He knew the story. He knew there is a, somebody has to do it. He did it. And why should he be punished? He was a messenger of God, let's put it this way, in his mind. Here comes another topic about prophecy. And this answers this question from a different place in, the Torah, in, 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 in Jewish law. How we know who is a true prophet? That's the discussion that we're going to learn. What's the test? How you know somebody shows up and starts to give you a prophecy? I'm a prophet. I speak in the name of God. Now you know if it's true. What do you think? If it goes with Torah and... Let's say it goes with the Torah, but maybe he's not a prophet. Maybe he's a liar. How do you know if somebody is a prophet? Let's say he tells you, uh, God wants us to volunteer for uh, Ahuja Hospital. <laughs> How do you know if it's true or not? He doesn't say thing against the Torah, but he tells you, I get a prophecy this morning that everybody should come to the class. I mean, that's, I wouldn't mind that such a prophecy. But uh, doesn't he have to say pro prophesy something and then we know it's true? Oh, has to become true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a beginning. Yeah. But that takes time to prove. No. Yeah. You're right. It's too. No, it depends if he says that something will happen tomorrow. It doesn't take so long. Mm -hmm. Says something will happen in ten, 10 years, years, and it will take, will take longer. Then we'll wait ten years until we'll prove it. Otherwise, there's no way of knowing. You're right. No, sometimes one prophet is anointing. He gives smiche to the next prophet. He, when, he, he, when the prophet A, Elijah, appointed Elisha to be a prophet, you understand? And we know how we know to believe Elisha because Elijah said, and Elijah had, had already proved this prophecy, he, he appointed Elisha to be a prophet. But in, 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 in essence, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see what Maimonides tells us. Validating a prophet based on prophecies of the future. A prophet who arises and says God sent him does not need to perform a sign or a miracle that changes nature. So 
such as those performed by Moses, Elijah, or Elisha. The only sign he must perform is telling the future, and we wait to see if it will come to fruition or not. If it was even slightly inaccurate, we know he is a false prophet. But if it all came to pass, he is to be trusted. Okay, what, my, what, the, what he says here, a prophet is somebody who says, like you said, he has to say tomorrow when the stock market go up 100%, 100 point. If it went 100 point, if tomorrow the stock market will go up 100 point, you know he's a prophet. If it went up only 99 point or 101 point, he's not a prophet, he's not a true prophet. So what do you do in the meantime with people like this? They make a prediction and you continue, you hear about that, gurus who then become nothing. Nothing. Until he doesn't prove his prophecy, it means nothing. Nothing. So do we believe him until he proves himself wrong? No. Until he doesn't prove himself, we don't have to believe him. Yes. Yes. Oh, then we have to give him three times. Three times. Three times. What? Have you heard of Nostradamus? No. He's like, I don't heard know. Heard of a man nobody He He's like lived a long time ago. Yeah. And he made predictions. Some and are true, some are not. Uh, I also I do know. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I make predictions. Some, yeah. some of them are true, some of them are not. And the one day not true, I forget about. The one day true, I remind everybody. <laughs> that sounds very good. Okay. I remember there was some. Uh, Baba in Israel, many years ago, they interviewed him. Now he's a very famous one. And they said, how is your, is your, is your, is your blessings are being fulfilled? It had like 70%. <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> Go boom. My, my blessings are also fulfilled usually 60%, 63%. Listen, in baseball, that's a really good average. Sure. Yeah. Look, the weathermen, 90% of the time they are wrong. Yeah, you yeah, still yeah. listen to them. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, okay. You, you continue. Okay. I'm sorry. A prophecy of doom can change. Prophecy oh, here comes the news. Go ahead. Okay. I don't want to scare you. <laughs> Prophecies of a negative nature, for example, so-and-so will die, or this year will be a year of famine or war. If these prophecies do not come to pass, this does not contest the person's validity as a prophet. God is benevolent and compassionate, and he may have forgiven the people. Like in the case of Nineveh, or awaited, or awaited their repentance, as he did with Hezekiah. They soon will learn about it. Okay. But what he says in this space, that messages, a prophecy of doom, doesn't have to be fulfilled. If a prophet said tomorrow that the stock market will go down 100 point, and it didn't go down 100 point, it doesn't mean that it's a false prophet. And that's very good news. For example, we see it by the story of Nineveh. What happened in Nineveh? And what's his name? John, John has uh, showed up. I'll tell you later. <laughs> John has showed up and, uh, and he says, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. He didn't say, if you don't repent, Nineveh will be destroyed. He gave a fact. He says, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And they repented. And Nineveh was not destroyed. Is Jonah not a true prophet? He's a part of the prophets. That's one of the reasons why Jonah didn't want to go to deliver the prophecy. 
because he said, yeah, I know they will repent and God will forgive them. And the Jews will make fun of me, oh, another liar. He makes up stories. You see, with, you, no matter what, you're losing here. You come to the Jews and tell them, if you don't do this, God will punish you. The, the Jewish people do tshuva, God forgives them. And then they laugh at the prophet. He comes out a, a, a liar. The next time they don't believe him. It's like, you never win. Then all the, all, all the story with his case we're going to learn later. But, but if the person promised good things, saying such and such will happen, and it did not materialize, we know he is a false prophet. Any good that God promises, even conditionally, will come to pass. This shows us that a prophet is only validated with positive predictions. He says, then, then what you learn here, for good, it must be true. For evil, doesn't necessarily have to be fulfilled. It means to say, if you said that it's going to be good and it didn't happen, it's a proof that you're a false prophet. If you said something bad will happen and it didn't happen, it doesn't mean you're a false prophet. Because God can change his mind from bad to good. But not in reverse. Not in reverse, exactly. And here comes a whole story from the book of Jeremiah. It was in the time when, before the destruction of the first temple, the Babylons already came and confiscated a lot of the vessels from the, from the temple, but they didn't destroy the temple yet. And God told Jeremiah that the Jews have to put themselves under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. At that time in Israel, in the Middle East, there were two powers, Egypt and Babylon. Babylon was the rising power, the new power, the China of the time. And the Jews naturally wanted to go with Egypt. It's a matter of which side they're, they're lining up with. And, God, and Jeremiah came and said, God says you should join the Vuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. And the Jewish people always politically make their own, cho their own choices. Then that was the argument here. You know. Should they go with Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon? Or should we go with, with, with Egypt? Okay, go ahead. Jeremiah and Hananiah go, Hananiah. Head, Hananiah go head to head. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Yoshiao, don't worry about the names. King of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, So said the Lord to me. Make a yoke of straps and bars and place them upon your neck. Then send them to the kings of Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, and Zidon, through the envoys who come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, the king of, the Judah. king of Judah. At that time in Judah was Zedekiah the king. He was kind of a, an appointee by, by Nebuchadnezzar, by the Babylonian king. And he was supposed to do what Babylonians tell them. He was supposed to be loyal to Babylon. That's why he was there. And God tells Jeremiah to make like a yoke. And on the, on the horses and the, on the donkeys, there is like the yoke and this to keep them straight. He says, every time when there is a prophecy, many times God wants to make something physical to make it a reality. He says, take a yoke, make it, put it on yourself, put it on the, send it to every king as a present. What's the message? Continue. Give them a message for their master, saying, So said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, so shall you say to your masters, I made the earth and the man and the beast that are upon the face of the earth, 
with my great strength and with my outstretched arm, and I give it to whomever I please. Now I have given these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. I have even given him the beasts of the field to serve him. Basically, he tells them, and God tells Jeremiah to send a message to all the kings. All the little kings who were in the Middle East, you should all subdue yourself, submit yourself to, to the Babylonian king, because I gave him the power and he's going to be the boss. And don't argue. Don't try to fight it. All nations. All nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and kings will subjugate him. Then, then it will be after his son's son. So three generations he will be the boss. Then other nations subjugate them. But for these three generations, I'm telling you, for your own good, subdue, submit yourself to Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. Clear, right? Everything is clear. Now comes the other prophet. You want to continue? Hananiah. Hananiah ben Azor was a false prophet. He was running around and giving prophecies to the Jews, just the opposite. He says, don't worry, things will be good. You don't have to be under Babylonian king. We, he will, we, we will overcome him. Go ahead. And all nations shall serve him and his son. Oh. No, no, Hananiah. Oh, I'm sorry. Hananiah ben Azor said to me in the house of the Lord before the priests and all the people, saying, So said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. In another two years I will restore to this place all the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has taken from here and brought to Babylon. He goes around and gives good prophecies. Good news. Who you want to hear? To the prophet of doom or the guy who says, it's going to be great. The stock market will be better. The economy will be unbelievable. Sure you want to hear. Naturally, people gravitate to the good news, especially when they don't like to submit themselves under Nebuchadnezzar. Everything will be good in two years. I'll bring the vessels that he took from the temple. I'll bring it back. Go ahead. I will also bring back to this place Yehonia, the son of Yehoiakim, the king of Judah, and all the exiles of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. I'll break the yoke from the king of Babylon. He will not be the boss here. He will, we will overcome him. He will fall. Hananiah. Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of Jeremiah the prophet and broke it. He did the same thing. He took it and broke it. He, said he wanted to make a statement. We are going, is going to break the yoke from, from, from the Babylonian king. Don't be afraid of them. Then Hananiah said before all the people, This is what the Lord says. So too will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations in another two full years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. Jeremiah said, The prophet who prophesies for peace, when it materializes, it will be known who is the prophet whom the Lord has truly sent. Jeremiah told, that's not the full story, Jeremiah told Hananiah, if my, my prophecy is not being fulfilled, I'm not a false prophet. Because I'm, I'm, I prophesy bad things. The Jewish people can do tshuva and they will. But if your prophecy is not going to be fulfilled, and you, and you, and you prophesy positive things, then it'll be a proof that it's not true. That, guy, that, you, that you're a false prophet. Who was Hananiah? Hananiah was a guy who appointed himself as a prophet and he was a liar. He was Jewish. He was sure he was Jewish. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm sure, only Jews can make such trouble. Okay. 
Mm -hmm. That's kind of another, that's Christianity. They broke the yoke. You don't need to keep kosher. Maybe there is a story similar. like this? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. No, uh, I'm saying, right? There is a story like this? No, but Christianity, I'm saying, oh, yeah. Jesus was a Jewish guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't so, need to keep kosher. We yeah. Just yeah, 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 yeah. It's not exactly. It's just. The same concept, yeah. Absolutely. Like kosher is a yoke now. Yeah. Shabbat is a yoke now. You're right. But here, it was a new yoke. It was not something that's written in the Torah. You understand? Yeah. If somebody comes and says, you don't have to obey, do obey something that's written in the Bible, in the Torah, that's for sure is a false prophet. No, because the Torah is forever. And anybody who comes to change something from the Torah, you know is a false, is, is a false prophet. Here, it's a political decision. Should we go with Nebuchadnezzar, with Babylon? Should we go with Egypt? It's a new thing. There, you can say the Torah has nothing to tell us. We don't know. Comes a prophet and says one thing. Comes another guy and says, I'm a prophet, and says another thing. Right. Who to believe? That Jeremiah tells Hananiah, if what I say will not be fulfilled, I'm not yet a false prophet. But if you say, you're saying two years that's coming, we'll see if in two years it's coming, they're coming back. If not, you're a false prophet. Then we learn one thing. From this story, we learn this concept that for good, if you, if you prophesy for bad, that doesn't mean you're a false prophet because God can change his mind from bad to good. But from good to bad, he doesn't change his mind. Okay. When Jeremiah prophesied doom and Hananiah foretold good, this is what Yirmiyah told Hananiah. If my words don't materialize, that won't prove that I am a false prophet. But if your words don't materialize, it will be known that you are a false prophet. Exactly. Continue. 11. The requirement that every prophecy delivered by a prophet must be fulfilled only applies to prophecies about positive occurrences. Negative prophecies, however, are subject to change as people repent. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, one second. You, you continue. Pharaoh could have changed the decree. This Here comes the secret answer. The ultimate answer. This also applies to the divine decree that the Egyptians would enslave and oppress the Jewish people. Since this was a negative matter, there was no guarantee that it would be fulfilled. It was subject to change through repentance. The decree was thus dependent on Pharaoh's will, and he could therefore be punished, be punished for his bad choices. Pharaoh was not obligated to do it. And we asked in the beginning, you asked you, I think you mentioned that. If nobody will want to do the bad thing, it, it will not happen. God can change from bad to good. Basically, humanity can tell God, not me, and not me, and not me, and it will not happen. We have the power to change the will of God from bad to good. Just like a good parent, you promise your child he will not go on the trip. You promise him, but if he cries long enough, you might change his mind. You might change your mind. Yeah, and he's doing, he's promising from now on, he will do everything you say, and he will do homework, and he will do this. You change your mind. From bad to good, God can change his mind. And therefore, even Pharaoh, even people knew, that, let's say God would say clearly, it's Egypt, it's Pharaoh number three, he has to do it. Even this, he can say to God, I'm not going to do it. Even this, he could, he could also, he could still say no. 
Nobody can, nobody can stop you. Ultimately, he makes it harder on you. What means God? He, 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 he became more angry, more stubborn, more this. But why, it's not, by the way, it's not written that God hardened his heart and the first few of plagues. Only because in the beginning he was stubborn on his own, God helped him in his direction. Kind of God helps you to go in the way you want to go if you're stubborn. But in the, in the final analysis, nobody is forced to do bad to another person. Even if you heard from God yourself, Go and do A, B, and C bad things to another person. And you tell God, God, what Moses did. Moses says, God, if you're going to destroy the Jewish people, forget about it. Don't count on me. And God changed his mind. The best example. And even because God wants from humanity to say, I don't want to do it. He wants to see that human beings care for each other. Not just care for themselves, care for each other. And then he's actually happy that it doesn't happen. We don't have to have evil in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So if Pharaoh had not done this, if the Egyptians had chosen not to, not do, to it. do this, did it have to happen at some point? So no, not necessarily. Or would there be peace? God can find better would ways to do things. Would there just be people getting along? You're right. In essence, we always tell, we pray to God, God, we know that it's for the best, but find a place that we can, find a way that we can appreciate the good. Everything from God is for the good, but many times you don't see it. We ask from God, give us a good that we can take to the bank, so to speak. That it's clear, that it's very, very, it's tangible. We don't need to believe it's good, we can see that it's good. And yet every evil thing on earth, nobody can say, yeah, after it happens, we'll show the will of God. Or it was up to me not to be a part of it. Let's put it this way. I don't have to be a part of it. You know, sometimes everybody gets excited to scream and somebody throw him out of the shul. You don't have to be a part of it. Somebody has to do it. That's somebody else doing it. It's not my, my job. I don't have to be in the middle then. And even you see, when they, even like, like saying somebody has to give him the bad news, let somebody else do it. Why should it be me? Anything negative, give somebody else to do the mitzvah. Sometimes I have no choice, but when you have a choice, let somebody else do it. Do I live up to it? No, but uh, I try. <laughs> and here is coming a story, perfect story that, that shows it, two stories. Source number eight. Right? Okay, go ahead. The Roman authorities sent Nero Caesar against the Jews. When he came to Jerusalem, he wished to test his fate. He shot an arrow to the east, and the arrow came and fell in Jerusalem. He then shot another arrow to the west, and it also fell in Jerusalem. He shot an arrow in all four directions of the heavens, and each time the arrow fell in Jerusalem. He wanted to see if God wanted him to destroy Jerusalem. And he saw, wherever he told an arrow, an arrow went to Jerusalem. Go ahead then conducted another test. He said to a child, tell me a verse that you learned today. He said to him as follows, and I will lay my vengeance upon Edom, Adam by the hand of my people Israel. Nero said, the Holy One, blessed be he, wishes to destroy his temple, and he wishes to wipe his hands with that man by me, with me. The Romans are associated with Edom or Adam? With Adam. It's Adam. the same thing. Edom in English, Adam in Hebrew. The descendants of Esau. 
If I continue on this mission, I will eventually be punished for having served as God's agent to bring about the destruction. So he fled and became a convert. And ultimately, Rabbi Meir descended from him. Now, understand what's going on here? He realized, he asked a child, you know, when you ask a child, sometimes when you, instead of a prophecy, when prophecy stopped, you know, Mordechai, how he knew that the story, if they will survive, amen, he went out to, to the street and he asked three children, tell me what you learned in Cheder today. Tell me what you learned in school. And everyone gave him a line of, of optimism from the Bible. That's what we say by the end of Olenda, we sing Altiro, Miparat Pitom. These three lines are coming from this story in the Talmud, that these three boys, three, three children gave him three different lines. And he saw it's a prophecy of good. This guy came out and he asked the child, what do you learn to say? That he says, God will punish Edom for giving, for giving problems to the Jews. Then he says, God wants to punish the Jews and then punish me. Let him look for somebody else. I'm not going to do this. That you see what happened here. Eventually Jerusalem was, was destroyed, but not by Nero. He went, he converted, and from him came out Rabbi Meir. Which exactly Nero is it? It's not clear. But the story, the, the story is that somebody who knew he was sent to destroy Jerusalem, and he realized that he will eventually pay the bill for it. He will be successful, but God will punish him for it. He says, why, why should I be a part of it? It means you can, you can wash your hand. He said, I'm not going to do this. God wants to do a bad thing, let him send somebody else, not me. Not me. Then comes another story about Hiskiyahu. Hiskiyahu was the queen of, king of Judah. By the end, when, right before the destruction of the first temple, close to the end, and he was at one point, he was, very, he was a very righteous man. He was very sick. It was Erev Pesach. Go ahead. In those days, Hiskiyahu became critically ill, and Isaiah, the son of Amos, the prophet, came to him and said, So has the Lord said, Give instructions to your household, for you will die and you will not live. Hiskiyahu then turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. Not, not, doesn't sound like good news, right? No. Can't the prophet shows up, he doesn't... Hey, uncle, you're going to die. Just say goodbye and go. Then here comes the Talmud and says, what was the real conversation? What is the meaning of you will die and you will not live? You will die. Yeah, if you'll not, what, what is this rep repetition? If you will die, obviously you will not live. What does this mean? <laughs> obviously there is something more to it. You will die refers to death in this world, and you will not live means you will not have, you will have no share in the world to come. You will not live even after life. That's what he tells him. He says, what happened? Hiskiyahu asked him, whoa, 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 what happened? Go ahead. Hiskiyahu said to him, what is all of this? For what transgression am I being punished? Isaiah said to him, because you did not marry and engage in procreation. Oh, he didn't have children. Hiskiyahu did not have children. And for this, you deserve this punishment. That's what he told him. Continue. Hiskiyahu apologized and said, I had no children because I saw through divine inspiration that the children that emerge from me will not be virtuous. He said, I knew from prophecy, from divine inspiration, that my children will be wicked people. Now why I need to, if I'm the king, my children will be the kings. It means they will be wicked king. He was a very righteous man. He says, I don't want to have children like this. Go, go ahead. Hiskiyahu meant that he had, not, he had seen that his children were destined to be evil. In fact, his son Manasha sinned extensively, and he thought it preparable to have no children at all. He actually had children, eventually, as you realize, 
And his son was as evil as he prophesied. <laughs> People make those choices because of certain illnesses or things. Yeah, I know. So this is about Hezekiah. It's not about every person. I don't say that other people is good, but I mean to say this is his care. So did he end up having children because well, he give us, give us a check and give us a second. <laughs> okay, well, Nancy. Isaiah said to him, Why do you involve yourself with the secrets of the Holy One? Blessed be he. That which you have been commanded, the mitzvah of procreation, you are required to perform, and that which is appropriate before God, he will do. This is something very important. It's none of our business to plan the future of God. Climate change, there should be too many people in the world. We need to, that's, um, that's God's business. I know what I have to do. I have a mitzvah to have children. If there will be enough place and enough food for people in the world, that's God's business. I have to do my best. But they cannot overwrite my commandment my, my, my obligations to God. God says you have to have children. He says, when you have a prophecy that your children will be not, not righteous, that's God's business. We shouldn't tell you secrets. So to speak, we know what we see in our own eyes. I have an obligation of children. What will be the future? It's in the end of God. I do what they're supposed to do. And it's about everything. Okay. He says to him, you know what? Let's change it. Give me your daughter. Between me and you, there's better chances she'll come out good children. What else could be? Continue. Isaiah said to him, the decree has already been decreed against you, and this judgment cannot be Isaiah told him it's too late. Too late. God already made a decree. His is going to die, and it's too late. Yeah, it's all nice idea, nice idea, but it's too late. Wait a second. Okay, you read it now. Because you, you <laughs> go ahead. Um, Heskiahu said to him, Son of Amot, cease your prophecy and leave. As long as the prophet spoke as God's emissary, Heskiahu was obligated to listen to him. He was not, however, obligated to accept Isaiah's, Isaiah's personal opinion that there was no possibility for mercy or for healing. Heskiahu continued, I have received a tradition from the house of my father's father from King David, the founding father of the dynasty of kings of Judea, even if a sharp sword, rest, sword rests upon a person's neck, he should not prevent himself from praying for mercy. Having heard Isaiah's harsh prophecy, immediately Heskiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. And what happened? I'm, I'm surprised they didn't finish the story. The end of the story, <laughs> it's missing a piece here. Yeah. I'll tell them. Um, he prayed, he turned to the wall. By the way, that's why in general, if you see rabbis, usually they pray by the wall because that comes from based on this. Nobody should stop them. They pray to God. He, too, he was in his bed. He couldn't move. He turned to the wall and he prayed to God. He said, God, give me another chance. God gave him another 15 years. He married Isaiah's daughter. Isaiah went home. He basically, he threw him out of the office. He told him, go. I know I have a, a tradition from my great-grandfather from King David that a person should never give up, no matter what, no matter, even when the sword is on your throat, you should, a person's throat, you should never give up. And he prayed to God, and God told Isaiah, go back and tell him it's going to be alive. 
says he will not believe me. He says, don't worry, he will believe you. He went back and he gave him his daughter and he married and they have two children and the children were evil. And Menashe was a terrible king, was very successful. What he was an evil king, he brought idols to Jerusalem, he did every bad thing in the world. But what do you see from it? Then from bad to good, God can change. The God, God said to the prophet, go and deliver him a message, not he should pray. He's going to die. And then he prayed and he changed it. Then this is, that the question is, the answer is, can God change his mind? The answer is, from bad to good, yes. And that's the power that every one of us has. That's an amazing power that everyone can change, can change God. No such thing, oh, I'm doomed. It's going to happen. Every time all the bad, all, all the bad locks come to me. You know, people go around, everything bad sticks to me. No such thing. Everyone can change his, his, his journey. For, for some people it's easier, for some people it's harder, it's true. But ultimately, from bad to good, we can all change.